They're leaving. They're not leaving. They're leaving. They're not leaving. Well, according to a, a report, maybe they're not leaving. We'll talk about that on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, a special edition of Locked On Sooners on a Friday afternoon. My name is John Williams. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is the official sports book of Locked On and the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Again, thank you for joining us. He's Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh on Ref. You can follow me on Twitter at John Nine Williams. And Josh, the reason we are gathered here on a Friday afternoon is the good Pete Thamel of ESPN fame um, came out with a report quite early this morning, citing sources saying that Big 12 talks with Texas and Oklahoma have stalled on an early exit agreement. Josh. Yeah, we knew that uh, obviously with the Big 12 set to meet what uh, in Arlington yesterday that this was on the docket of discussion. I think if uh, you, you help me out if I'm missing one here, Gonzaga potential inclusion into the Big 12 uh, expansion for basketball was on the list. OU and Texas, OU and Texas's potential exit early from the Big 12, and then uh, just some other items that I can't remember right now were on the docket. So we well, I'm knew. Sure some, I'm sure Pac-12 you know, trying to steal some Pac-12 teams away was also probably in the mix as well. No doubt. And uh, that'll be interesting to follow for the future of the Big 12. But we knew that there was going to be, if not immediately, some sort of fallout or probably a report or two coming out of this thing. Just which direction was this headed? Because we knew from Dennis Dodd's recent report that Oklahoma and Texas, and not that it should be surprising, John, but they had made an an exit offer. So there was an exit offer. It had been rebuffed by the big 12 and the, well, other powers that be the parties that be in this, which would be ESPN and Fox, whatever that initial exit offer was, it was no thanks from all the, all the other parties involved. So one way, shape or form in, in one way or another, there was going to be some kind of movement here or in the case that we find out now, no movement at all, John, which is, of course, substantial because the report from Pete Thamel is that basically based on what happened at the Big 12 meeting with all these different powers and, you know, power brokers that be of the Big 12 conference and, you know, Fox, ESPN, whoever all is involved in this. The report now is that they think that it's trending toward Oklahoma and Texas staying for the duration of the big 12 grant of rights that they won't be leaving one year early to the sec. So just generally speaking, what is, what was sort of your first couple of reactions to the report? I think initially not at all that surprising, maybe a little bit surprised, but based on Dennis Dodd's report earlier in the week that Oklahoma and Texas had made an offer offer to the big 12 and it was just outright rejected. Um, it kind of felt like it was heading this way. Now I know a lot of people feel like that there's like some hard deadline on which a, a negotiate or an agreement must come to. I don't really feel that way. I feel like they've got plenty of time. I mean, they've really got until what would it be February of next year before they have to come out with the 2024 schedule. 
to finalize an early exit deal. Some people are trying to push that up and say, no, they got to, they got to be done sooner than that. I mean, why, what, what would hold everybody up to make it so that they have to have an agreement like this month, next month, this summer during the football season, to me, the kind of the final hard deadline is whatever date is set in the grant rights agreement to have your schedule to the media partners so that they can start planning their their schedule, their broadcast schedule, their you know, how do they deploy their teams, things like that. So to me, there's time on it, although it does feel like things are pushing more towards the direction that, okay, we're going to play this play out the string in the Big 12 and before we go to the SEC. It feels a lot like this is Fox and Fox Sports really trying to get as much value out of Oklahoma and Texas as they possibly can, which, I mean, again, is well within their rights based on the contract that's there. And I kind of joked about it on Twitter. I said, maybe they're just really holding out for that Jackson Arnold, Arch Manning, uh, Red River Showdown in 2024, if that ends up being the, you know, the two starting quarterbacks at the time. So, yeah, man, there's there's a lot of different, you know, elements to this that are at play, but it really comes down to, and it's it's stated in Pete Thamel's report from a source. It says um, there's no formal timeline or brink from which you can't come back. An industry source told Pete Thamel, but this is where things are right now. A deal is unlikely. So right now it's unlikely. Could it be more likely six months from now, twelve months from now? That's the question. And we've talked at times about whether Oklahoma and Texas have much leverage in these negotiations. And the reality is they don't have a whole lot. The only real leverage that they have and the only real chip they can play is, okay, do you want as the big 12 conference, do you want us kind of overshadowing and this conversation overshadowing your expansion, you moving forward as a conference, or do you just want to let us, let us out. And then you can start to move forward and build your identity as a conference, bringing in new brands and, and creating a whole new feel and dynamic for your conference moving forward. And really it comes down, I mean, I think the big 12 doesn't need to worry so much about that. And I don't think they, they are going to care, but that could be a thing. I mean, very much, it's very likely that Oklahoma and Texas are representing the big 12 in the big 12 championship game this year. And if that's the case, potentially they're representing the big 12 in a big 12 championship game the following year. And if, and with expanded playoff in 2024, there's a good chance that the only big 12 representatives in the expanded college football playoff could be Oklahoma and Texas. So how much do they want their conference, their brand being represented by teams that are on the way out? That's the question that they have to ask themselves, but maybe they don't care. Maybe it just comes down to what's, what's the dollar figure going to be for us. We don't need the, the emotional tie. We don't need what it looks like. We're not current concerned about the PR aspect of it. We just want the dollars. So show us the money or show us the games that are going to bring us the money and then we'll make it work. The uh, timeline to still maybe get this thing done. I-, I like what you said that basically as we were waiting, 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 when is this schedule going to drop? When is this big 12 schedule going to drop? And what we found was as sort of, we were led to believe it held true that the television partners that be, based on the contract language and the contracts that were signed, basically says they have to have the schedule by this month, right, in February. So I like your timeline that one year from now in February, when, again, the same situation would arrive, 
which is, hey, we're trying to set our television schedule. We need to know what the Big 12 schedule looks like for 2024. That maybe would be the final exit moment for er, early exit moment for Oklahoma and Texas. And sure, their minds could be made up well before that, John, on whether or not they're going to continue to negotiate in good faith or try and negotiate at all on an early exit. That being said, I think you asked the question, well, why, why would, why would the timeline not extend out to then? And I guess the only answer for that, John is technically according to write the, the contract language in the big 12 grant of rights, you're supposed to have 18 months notice if you're leaving early to the other conference members, which Technically, if I'm doing the math counting back right from July of 2024, which if and follow me, I know there's going to be a lot of like chronological jargon here. I'll try and make this as simple as I can, John. The grant of rights itself expires in July of 2025, right? So one year in front of that, if we're doing the exit early, would be July of 2024. Okay, 18 months notice in front of that would be February of 2023 which is where, of course, we find ourselves right now. So if you're still buying into the idea that the 18 months notice thing, there's no wiggle room there in terms of negotiating the uh, early exit fee of, what, 84-some-odd million dollars, I think, is the figure if you had to pay the exit fee in full. Well, then that would be right now. John, I tend to agree with, I think, what your line of thinking is, which is, okay, I know that's what the contract says, but it's called negotiation for a reason. And I do think you're right that, yes, one year from now, you could be talking the final true early exit deadline, even though the contractual language doesn't say as much, is February of 2024. Yeah, contracts can be amended. They can be changed. They can be adjusted. It just requires lawyers, which they pay lawyers a lot of money to adjust and amend and write up these contracts. So it's a phone call and it's, Somebody, you know, some uh, intern or, you know, associate spending hours on a computer typing up the language and then everybody agreeing on it. That's really all it's going to come down to. But I mean, I, I'm of the mind now, at least I, f- I feel like there's a greater chance now of them playing out the string until 2025 than I ever have been before. Um, and now it could be that Pete Thamel's sources, and we can get into this on the other side of the break, are big 12 sources. Um, it could be that those sources are tied into the, the hateful eight, the remaining eight teams that are part of the big 12. I'd be really curious to, to know what uh, the Oklahoma side of things is thinking. The Texas side of things is thinking we can tell that, that they're not real pleased with the way things have transpired based on their unwillingness to promote the schedule and promote the big 12 um, on their own, on their own websites, on their social media platform. I, I kind of joked again on Twitter that Oklahoma tweeted out a picture of Jordans before they tweeted out the big 12 schedule. So, um, but we can talk about that. Just kind of like where um, this is all going, because again, this could be one-sided, a one-sided source that doesn't make it irrelevant and it doesn't make it unreliable, but it could have, it could have a, a perspective that's one-sided to the whole negotiation. And we'll talk about that after we talk to y'all about FanDuel. Super Bowl 57. It is sneaking, sneaking, sneaking on up for us. And where could you get in on the action? Well, why not FanDuel Sportsbook where you can make every moment more? FanDuel.com backslash locked on where if you go place your first bet right now, first $5 bet, 
John, that's all it takes. First $5 bet. New customers, you join today with that first $5 bet. You're going to get $150 in free bets guaranteed. FanDuel, they've got all of the favorite bets that you you know and like out there, your money line, your point spread bets. They've got Super Bowl props. Who doesn't love a good Super Bowl prop? Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. That's all available on their app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Again, uh, football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the National Football League. So there's just so many tentacles to this development from Pete Thamel, the reporting here. I uh, continue to think, you know, who's holding this up? Who's holding this process up, John? And, you know, sure, I can understand that there's probably on some level from, you know, from existing Big 12 members that will be a part of the new look Big 12, the irate eight as the radio text line earlier today like to uh, refer to to that group of big 12 schools i can understand where the the phrasing somebody texted in and said this john it's the principle of the matter they're not willing to budge on oklahoma and texas they want the full exit fee if they're leaving okay that's great in theory i don't know that that's actually the case for these big 12 schools i don't think they're holding this thing up john I know there's animosity, and sure, you can get into, well, it's the principle of the matter. Yeah, and the principle of the matter is Kansas and Kansas State, and I don't have to run down the full list, but, John, they adjusted they adjusted their individual per-school payouts for these coming couple of years in 2023 and in 2023-2024 and 2024-2025 to get BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, into the league sooner with bigger payouts for each of those schools out of the grant of rights. They gave that cash up, John, the schools that are going to stay in the big 12 conference. They could recoup some of that money. If Oklahoma and Texas pay an exit fee, I understand there's financial motivation for those schools to get that done. So I would think just looking at that to me, it's easy to point the finger and say, okay, ESPN's involved in both the big 12 and the sec's futures. Fox is not. It's Fox that's holding this thing up. I mean, and that's that's what makes sense to me because if you get to broadcast Oklahoma, you get to broadcast Texas, that's a that's a broadcast win for you, whatever window you put it in, whether it's a noon window or 11 a.m. window or a, a primetime window, that's going to be a good win for you on the on the ratings side of things. And what is the broadcast? The broadcaster's only goal is to sell advertising. And that is their number one goal. Get Nike and Coca-Cola and McDonald's and all these, you know, top brands in America to buy ad time, ad space on, you know, during football games so that that's how they make money. That's how they get paid. And if you're going to have more eyes on Oklahoma games, more eyes on Texas games, which history and the trends bear out you're going to sell more ad revenue or you're going to generate more ad revenue. You can sell your ad space for more for those games. So I get where Fox is coming from. I think that's what's holding it up. I don't think it's this whole, you know, the old big 12 teams, the hateful eight, the irate eight, um, holding it up because I mean, really it, they stand to benefit a little bit by Oklahoma and Texas going. I've talked about it several on 
on many of occasions that the Big 12 is still going to be a very, very marketable conference strictly because of how the Big 12 is laid out. Yeah, it doesn't have maybe the, the major media markets outside of like Houston and the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Cincinnati is not a bad market. Orlando is not a bad market. But it may not have like a New York or a Los Angeles market. But what it does have are a bunch of markets that are 100% bought into college football. And so on Saturdays, when you're trying to figure out, hey, what am I going to do today? Well, I know what I'm doing. I'm either going to the game or I'm watching the game. And if you're from, you know, Ames or you're from Lawrence or you're from the Kansas, you know, area in Kansas at all, and you're watching K-State or, or Kansas Jayhawks football, that's what you're doing on Saturday. Same for, you know, what goes on down in Waco. Like that's what's happening. And so they might not have as many eyes as Syracuse does up in New York or USC or UCLA does in Los Angeles, but they're going to have a higher percentage of those eyes on television or watching their televisions every single Saturday. And so the big 12 is still going to be in a really, really good spot. Even after Oklahoma and Texas leave just based on how football is set up and the locations it's set up in, they're going to dominate the market and they're not going to have to share time with, you know, a big, you know, big time basketball, you know, NBA team or an NFL team or a major league baseball team. And yet yeah, I'm obviously I'd love being in Oklahoma and I'd love to have a major league baseball team in Oklahoma. That'd be fantastic. At the same time, Oklahoma, you know, for September, isn't going to have to share, uh, share eyeballs. They're not going to share, you know, gate say, you know, ticket sales with a major league baseball team. You know, they have to share some time with the Oklahoma city thunder, but a lot of that doesn't overlap. So it's okay. Or an NFL team. So, um, the big 12 is going to be okay. I, I don't think they have any, any real motivation other than getting the best payout that they can to get the best buyout that they can from Oklahoma and Texas. But I don't think that they're drawing a hard line in the sand, much like I think maybe Fox is, because they know that after 2024, they're, they don't have Oklahoma and Texas anymore. They're not going to get that opportunity. Agreed. Uh, agreed, agreed, agreed. I think that you, e- even if there is a little bit of a hard line being drawn in the sand right now for these Big 12 members that are going to stay you know, long-term in the league, that's budgeable to me as we go forward. The, the television side, if that's the entity that's like, we're not getting the right inventory back. You know, that idea had gotten floated around, John, about uh, basically trading inventory to a degree, which is, hey, uh, Oklahoma and Texas will schedule non-conference dates versus these Big 12 members. And if Fox basically heard that offer, whatever that pitch was, and didn't like it, there might be no wiggle room, right? And if that's the entity where there's no wiggle room, that creates some serious issues in terms of you might just have to pay the full exit fee if you're Oklahoma and Texas and you're dead set on getting out early, which to me, let's discuss this next, John. The closer you get, and I've said this for a while, the closer you get to the actual grant of rights expiring, if there's one year left in the league, to me, why pay the exit fee? Why not just deal with it for one more go around? I don't think that it's all negative being in the Big 12 conference. I think there's some positives, some pros of the situation that we can dive into for Oklahoma. There's obviously some cons as well. Uh, If you're Oklahoma and Texas, you want to rip that Band-Aid right off and just get to the SEC. It's been clear you've wanted to do that for some time. But as this thing develops the way it's unfolding, John, I don't think it's all bad 
for either Oklahoma or Texas to remain in the Big 12 Conference. So we can toss some of those pros and cons list around if you'd like. Yeah, we'll do that here after I talk to you about Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. Easy to eat, 100% covered in chocolate. Tastes great and great for you. Low calories, low sugars, low carbohydrates, high in protein, and so many great flavors like peanut butter brownie, mint brownie, coconut almond, coconut brownie chunk, cookie dough brownie chunk. Just so many fantastic flavors for you. You can go check it out at Built.com. You can use our promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order over at Built.com. So Josh, share with me, what are, what are, what's one of the positives for Oklahoma and Texas to stick around in the big 12? Well, point blank, it's 80 plus million dollars. So if, if the bottom line is the bottom line, John, and whether it's the big 12 or whether it's Fox, I don't think it's ESPN, but whatever, they're part of this too. So toss their name into the ring as well. Even though again, to me, that's the unlikeliest suspect of all, because again, they've got, uh, they've got broadcasting rights going forward for both the big 12 and the sec. So it would make sense that they'd be upset about whatever Oklahoma and Texas decide to do. That being said, if it's just going to be the full exit fee and there's no wiggle room there, and you've gotten this far down the road, John, to where you could have just paid the exit fee in full, two years ago when all of this first started coming out, then probably the closer you get to it, you say, why the heck would I pay $80 million the same price tag that it was several seasons ago? There's no reason to do that. So positive number one is simply financial. You don't have to pay everybody else uh, all of that money and you get your regular grant of rights share that you would have been uh, given in the Big 12 Conference and you proceed business as usual like you uh, were a happy member of the grant of rights all along, John. And you can apply that in a number of different areas, whether you want to just make that strictly the, the coaches' salaries on campus, whether that is now all of a sudden it's like, look at this magic $80 million we didn't know we were going to have. Now that goes to some f- facilities projects across the board for Oklahoma. So it's not the worst thing to, again, find $80 million that you didn't know that necessarily you were going to have. Yeah, I was going to mention the facilities. I think it was Red Dirt Sport that I saw mention that uh, facilities greater than buyouts. So, it, it I mean, that's a ton of money. I know we, we talk about the money sometimes, and it, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense because it's money that I'll never see. But that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money that can do a lot of things um, at the University of Oklahoma. So it does make sense to kind of to just sit back and hold on to it and – you know, the, the other positive benefit, I think it was Gabe Eichert I saw, you know, float this out there is it gives Brent Venables more time to build his his team and get them ready to play. I've always kind of been of the mind that you just get in there, you, you see what you got, you take your lumps if there are going to be lumps to take, and you just battle it out. But in this, in this way, you can continue to build your depth, build your roster, build your talent stock, and then when you go into the SEC, you're a little, maybe a little bit more prepared. The other potential benefit here is it gives Jackson Arnold a year in the Big 12 as a full-time starter before jumping into the SEC. As it were, if they were going to go in 2024, then his first you know collegiate start potentially could be against – well, it wouldn't be against the SEC, but it would be in a non-conference. But his first conference game would then be against an SEC team. And who knows who that could be. That could end up being a Georgia or an Alabama. Uh, so this way he gets to get his feet wet a little bit more, maybe against a Houston or against a, a Kansas or something like that come 2024. So I think there is there are some positive aspects. And then there's just the and you can you know jump on some of that here in a second, but there's also just the idea that like okay, Oklahoma and Texas at least lived up to 
the agreement that was that was made by the conference before they left. And I know like it'll all be perception. Oklahoma and Texas wanted to leave earlier, but if they end up staying, it's like it, it's you fulfilled your two weeks notice. You know what I mean? Like you put your two weeks in and you you hung in there. You stayed for the two weeks, or in certain circumstances, if you gave a month, you stayed the month. Um, and you kind of did the good soldier and you, you played out the string a little bit. So I, th- I think maybe that could potentially maybe lessen some animosity uh, between Oklahoma and Texas and then the remaining eight of the big 12. Maybe not. Maybe they'll always hate Oklahoma and Texas forever. Who cares? I don't know. I mean, I know we still kind of have some animosity towards Texas A&M and, and even towards Texas for how the Longhorn network kind of drove a wedge in the big 12 and sent Colorado to the Pac-12 and Texas A&M to the SEC and Nebraska Missouri to the SEC and Nebraska to the Big Ten. It's like maybe maybe they'll never get over it. Who knows? But, hey, that that's just kind of life in college realignment. I do think, you know, for nobody in the Big 12, are they going to feel that way? They're going to feel, again, that Oklahoma and Texas jeopardized potentially their futures. As, you know, if I'm a Kansas fan, a K-State fan, uh, a Baylor fan, whoever, right? I, I – Probably, I agree. I feel that way. If I'm a fan of those schools, Oklahoma and Texas did jeopardize your future, if only for a moment. In a roundabout way, it's almost, I'll never say it's better for those schools because it's not. Keeping Oklahoma and Texas, the gravy train, would have been better with those two involved. It just is that simple. For every for every other Big 12 school, it would have been better for them. Whether or not they want to admit it, it would have been better for them and their school to keep Oklahoma and Texas around if only from a financial sense. But in a way, it's not kind of worked out the worst way here that, oh, they went out and got these four other schools. And, John, I think it sort of expedited the Big 12 commissioner change process, right? So the the swap from, from Bowlesby to your mark, I think that just because of what happened with Oklahoma and Texas, that, that sped that up to where you got somebody new in who was going to be to go out and be aggressive and get new schools in this league. And, oh, by the way, is not necessarily done in that regard, whether it's a Gonzaga, whether there's full-time members uh, still to be added from the Pac-12. So in a roundabout way, what you're saying is correct, even though it's not going to, I think, ever be received that way by other Big 12 fan bases. It it could wind up not being the worst thing long-term for those schools. But full circle back to the why is this a pro or a con for Oklahoma, you know, the, the roster construction part of it, John, to me, I can make a case either way. I I hear what folks are saying out there that, hey, this gives Brent Venables, it gives this staff more time. You're going to be SEC ready when they go now. And I hear that, but I kind of feel like, you know, one more recruiting, one more signing class, you are already going to basically be there anyways. And I tend to agree with a lot of what you're saying as well. And I think I've said as much right here. Don't you just want to rip the Band-Aid off and find out where you're at in the SEC pecking order? I mean, kicking, continuing to kick the can down the road, yes, I can make the roster construction standpoint argument, and maybe that is going to ultimately be – maybe it does ultimately behoove Oklahoma to not jump right in. But I can also say maybe you get to 2025 and you find out, huh, we're still not quite ready, and then all of a sudden you're, you're two years delayed in that process of being truly, truly competitive at the very tippity top of the sec, because you're just not seeing the sec week in and week out. So I don't know. I I don't have a strong leaning one way or the other on that, John, but I don't 
I don't slam my hand down chips to the table and say, this is great news for Oklahoma in that regard. I don't know that to be true. And I don't know that I feel that way. No, I think it's, there's a lot of pros. There's a lot of cons. You know, I think the roster construction aspect is it's an, an optimistic element of it, I think, and that you, you hope that you get your roster more prepared for that transition because you're, you're not there yet. I mean, I think we saw what TCU went up against against Georgia in that up front on both sides of the ball, you're not there yet. And you've got a lot of work to do to get there. But yeah, it, you weren't going to get there necessarily by not being in the SEC. Like being in the Big 12 may not get you there if you don't land a David Stone or a Zadavian Sims like we talked about on last night's show. Uh, if you don't land some of these you know, highly thought of offensive line and defensive linemen that have size and strength and pass rush ability and run stopping ability that are four or five star guys consistently and multiple ones of them in a recruiting class, then you're never going to be there really. Like you'll, you'll be able to be competitive, but when it comes to taking the next step and making the leap to get above Georgia and Alabama, it's going to be hard to do that without elite offensive line and elite defensive line play. And the way the, the easy, I don't want to, I don't want to say the easiest way, but the most reliable way to get there is by landing consistently four and five star guys to plug in on your defensive and offensive line. Now they got a couple of them, you know, Adipoja Adabari, Derek LeBlanc, really good players uh, on the offensive line. They got several guys that all of a sudden are now four star guys and, you know, Caden Green. And you know, I think I saw Logan Howland got a fourth star in the top two, four, seven. And uh, Josh Bates, you know, Heath Azida was a four star, I think over on on three. So you got a bunch of guys that, are, are trending upward, we'll say. Um, but you got to do that consistently, class after class after class after class. So you hope that you get there. We'll see. I don't think you necessarily get there faster because you took a you have another year delayed from being in the SEC. I don't think you necessarily get there just because you're in the SEC. You just have a lot of work to do still, whether you're going in 2024 or you're going in 2025. Uh, the one thing I don't like about it is it gives you one less year of Jackson Arnold against the SEC but if they're able to land a Michael Hawkins to follow Jackson Arnold, then that makes me feel a little bit better about that. So anything else you want to share on this, Josh, before we get out of here? Yeah. If I'm, if I'm doing the let's be glass half full. Okay. And we, 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 yes, everybody needs this going into the weekend. You know, we talked roster construction. I, I I'll entertain that argument, but you know, even, even more than even just that standpoint, John, because I don't think, they're as far off from a roster construction standpoint, maybe as we think. I mean, they, they could be wildly improved as soon as this season, right? And, and I don't know, you know, necessarily outside of just the results were poor, how far off necessarily you were. Probably you were a little ways off, but that could be, that could be vastly improved as soon as this season based on what they did out of the transfer portal. Again, this 2023 signing class. The, the, the pros here, if for no other reason than – you know, we thought maybe there was an outside chance Oklahoma would be playing in the SEC in 2023, John. So now it sounds like, okay, not going to be 2024 either. If for no other pros or cons, but the positive side here for Oklahoma, man, it's, it's you know, right now today, it doesn't feel like the worst thing that Oklahoma is not playing in the SEC in 2023, coming off a six and seven season. So we, we don't know how next year is going to play out yet, but if Oklahoma can go out and regain its throne, 
in the Big 12 in back-to-back seasons and then leapfrog off into the SEC. To me, that's another pro for Oklahoma to to have the the ball rolling downhill would be, you know, you've already got that in recruiting. I think you're going to continue to have that in recruiting with this 2024 signing class, but rubber meets the road and you'd like to have that on the gridiron itself too, back to winning big 12 championships. So that to me, John would be another positive for Oklahoma. If they regain their footing and go win this league two years in a row, going into the sec. And that would be the ultimate uh, joy for Oklahoma fans and misery for everybody else in the big 12 to have Oklahoma and or Texas kind of be, but we don't want that. We don't want Texas to win, be the big 12 champion heading out the door. That would just be the ultimate kind of shiv in the side of the Big 12 in the yard. So that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning in and being a part of the show. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're free and available on all podcast platforms. Again, follow Josh on Twitter at Josh on Ref. You can follow me on Twitter at John Nine Williams. Follow the show at Locked On Sooners. And we'll be back next week uh, to continue to break down this. I'm sure we'll get more notes on this over the weekend um, as other reporters get on the story and start to flesh this out a little bit. We'll come back. Uh, Sunday night and we'll talk more about that but until next time he's Josh Helmer I'm John Williams we'll catch you then boomer sooner